This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. This is the Zach Gelb Show. Alrighty, hour number two of our radio program. That's right, it is the Zach Gelb Show on CBS Sports Radio. The day before Thanksgiving, my favorite time of the year, all about the food, family, and football. Final show of the week for us. Tomorrow, Thanksgiving, obviously. Enjoy your pedestrian turkey. I'll enjoy my lasagna. We'll get Pat Boyle's take on this coming up later on in the show. I'll probably have to fight him a little bit as Pat's with us today along with Moist Mike. Stu's out for his birthday, so happy birthday to Stuart Kovacs. And uh, then on Friday, I'm off to Ann Arbor. Going to watch the game on Saturday between Ohio State and Michigan. 13 rows off the field. Can't wait for that. And then on Sunday, I'm flying back. I'm not doing eye on football on Sunday. Ryan Hickey will be filling in for the eight-hour extravaganza. And once I land, I'm actually driving to Philadelphia to go check out the Buffalo Bills up against the Philadelphia Eagles. So if you want to track all my journeys this weekend from the food starting tomorrow all the way until late Sunday evening in Philadelphia at Zach Gelb, Twitter, Instagram, X, whatever you want to call these uh, social media platforms these days, that's where you could always find me. All righty, I got to get to the college football playoff rankings from last night. I think there's only eight teams that can make the college football playoff. Now, that's not the big, bold take. That's not, ooh, ah, wow. What a great take from the guy that's paid to give you takes here on CBS Sports Radio. But you have Georgia in at one right now, Ohio State two, Michigan three, Washington four, Florida State five, Oregon six, Texas seven, Alabama eight. The big takeaway from last night is Washington finally in the top four, long overdue. Florida State out of the top four, even though they didn't lose over the weekend, but they suffered a big loss with their quarterback in Jordan Travis. I know a lot of Texas fans are probably going to be mad at me, and I would be mad at myself too. And I'm not saying this is right, but there's a lot of times in sports you have to look at what will happen and what should happen. And yes, Texas wins out. They win the Big 12. And I predicted Texas to win the Big 12 before the start of the season. And Alabama wins out and they defeat Georgia. Texas still should get in over Alabama because they did go up against one another in week two. And Texas did go to Tuscaloosa and they defeated Alabama by 10 points. And I said this last week and I'll say it again and I'll keep on saying it. Even though that's what I think should happen, that Texas should get in over Alabama, I don't think it will happen. And I know guys like Barrett Sully, who I like a lot and does a good job, last week could say, well, it's not as if Texas doesn't have a brand and this is just them putting the Alabama brand in. Like, there's enough attractive reasons to watch and to want to see Texas in the college football playoff. Totally get that. And we know the brand of Texas is a behemoth, just like the brand of Alabama is a is a juggernaut as well. 
But there is no way, a 0.0% chance, that if Alabama wins the Iron Bowl this weekend and then defeats the best team in the country in Georgia and they have one loss that occurred in September, there's no way the guys in charge of the College Football Playoff Committee don't find a way to put Alabama in the top four. I really do believe these are the only three things that you could say with great certainty going into the final two weeks of the season. The winner of the SEC championship game will be in the college football playoff. Whoever wins on Saturday between Michigan and Ohio State will be in the college football playoff. And then whoever wins the Pac-12 championship, assuming it's Washington or Oregon, will be in the college football playoff. I feel very confident in saying, and this is not crazy, Georgia, Alabama, one gets in. Washington or Oregon, one gets in. And then Michigan or Ohio State, one gets in. So then, fair or not, it's going to create the conversation. What happens? Florida State wins out, and they're undefeated. What happens? Texas wins out, and they are one loss Big 12 champ. Now, you would probably say Florida State gets in because they're undefeated in the ACC champs. And Texas, even though they beat Alabama, they lost the game this year. I think that's when it's going to be fascinating for the committee because it really does determine more so, I guess, up against Louisville. And then I, I guess you could say this weekend, too, for Florida State, how the backup quarterback does look. Because if Florida State kind of limps to the finish line and limps to being undefeated, I still think it's very tough to not put them in the top four. But Roadmaker goes out there and lights it up against Florida, lights it up against Louisville. How are you going to keep this team out of it? Because Florida State, they may not be the best team in college football, but they're one of the toughest teams in college football. What they did to LSU in the second half, they embarrassed them. They pantsed them. And going into that game, we all thought LSU was one of the better teams in the country. And against Clemson, what do good teams do? Find a way to win when they don't play their best. That's what Florida State did. Same thing happened last week in the craziness, or two weeks ago, the craziness in the end of that uh, Miami game. So that's going to be a debate. However you want to slice it. You want to tell me Georgia wins or Alabama wins? It doesn't matter. Whoever wins that SEC championship game is going to the college football playoff. Whoever wins Ohio State-Michigan is going to the college football playoff. Washington or Oregon, whoever wins the Pac-12, is going to the college football playoff. And this is going to be one of the more intense debates that we've had, Florida State or Texas. And I, like, I could toss and turn... And I could give you an argument for Texas. I give you the argument for Florida State. I would think, though, undefeated Florida State would still get in. And then Texas, could you imagine Texas fans? We're back with Sam Ellinger and you weren't actually back. Now you have a flag to place in the field and say, we're back. We're Texas going into the SEC. Rah, rah, here we go. And you only lost one game this year? That's it. One game this year you lose? To Oklahoma and Red River, like one game you lose. One. 
and you go on to win the Big 12. You go back in week two, you beat Alabama, and you don't get in the college football playoff. You would have told me that going into Red River, that Texas would only lose one game this year, and already knowing they beat Alabama, and they don't get in the college football playoff, and they win the Big 12, I would have never believed it. So I really do believe with how this plays out, barring the greatest chaos that we've ever seen, the final spot is coming down to Florida State or Texas. And I know there's going to be some people that are going to say, this is why it's great that we're going to 12 teams. This won't be an argument next year. And I push back at that. I'm not a fan of the 12-team playoff. For a while, I said, let's expand to eight. And this is when there was five Power Five conferences, not knowing the Pac-12 would eventually turn into the Tupac uh, moving forward, right? The the Perloff line. Um, But for years, I said, eight teams, fine. Five Power Five conference champs. The non-group of uh, non-power uh, five conference champ group of five school, and then you have the two wild card spots. You get to eight, you're good. But then, as you see this play out throughout the years, there hasn't been a year where I've said, "Man, we need more than four teams." This could actually be the year. But just because you say that, it doesn't mean we need to go to twelve, which I've already lost that fight. They're going to twelve, going to six, going to eight at most would be fine, and I would be okay losing that argument. And I can meet you a little bit, but going right to 12, it takes away from the regular season. And before you say, but Zach, all these other sports, they had eight teams from this conference, eight teams from that conference that get in. And how many times do we sit here and go, man, the NBA regular season product is trash. How how many times do we sit here and we go, the NBA regular season product is terrible. And not only do they put eight teams in from the East, eight teams in from the West, they also have this play-in nonsense. Where all you got to be is uh, in the top 10 in the conference and you still got a chance. The regular season matters like no other in college football. You want to put some bumpers up, some slight bumpers. You know, when y'all start to bowl a little bit, everyone likes the bumpers up. I I understand. You want to give me six teams, eight teams. I can live with that. But going to 12, I'm not saying Michigan, Ohio State has no meaning. I'm not saying, right, these rivalry games have no meaning but it does take the meaning away a little bit because, yes, you get the luxury of not being on one week. You get the luxury of maybe even dropping two. Like, Ohio State, Michigan, they lose two games a season. They're getting in every single, every damn year in a 12-team playoff. So this year, it's really like chaos that we've never seen because last year, they made it easy. Like, Nick Saban's complaining, oh, We would be the favorite against any of these teams. Blah, 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 blah. Nick, you were the favorite twice last year and lost. So even though, yeah, maybe Alabama would have defeated TCU on a neutral playing field, you didn't have the resume. You weren't deserving of being one of the top four teams last year. And everyone stubbed their toe. But this year now, with literally two weeks remaining, everyone's not going to stub their toe. Now, the committee may be sitting there saying, I would love Florida State to go down, or I would love Texas to go down. Because then it creates an easier argument. But there's no doubt about it. Fair or not, Alabama or Georgia are getting in. One of them. Michigan, Ohio State, getting in. One of them. And then Washington or Oregon, one of them, getting in. So those three things are a given. And it could come down to maybe the most, in the final installment of the 14 playoff, maybe the most intense college football debate that we've ever seen behind two big brands, two passionate fan bases, and two teams that have arguments to be made for Texas, and Florida State.
And also, you still have the Alabama factor. Because Alabama deserves the benefit of the, the doubt. Alabama's in the SEC. Some view Alabama as polarizing. You could legitimately argue, though, like let's say Bama beats Georgia. Let's go Michigan beats Ohio State. Oregon beats Washington, just for argument's sake. And then Texas and Florida State both run the table the rest of the way. You should say, Zach, well, you shouldn't just throw Alabama in. And this should be a conversation for the final two spots. Alabama, Florida State, and Texas. But I just don't see a way that the committee is not going to put Alabama in. That's just the way uh, that I look at it. And really, it's kind of crazy when you look at Alabama. They still got to beat Georgia. Uh, They lose to Auburn this weekend after what Auburn did last weekend in pathetic fashion. If Bama loses this weekend, it would really fit into the unpredictability about Alabama this season. But I I always give the the benefit of the doubt to Alabama. This year, though, I didn't. I did not put Alabama in my top four this year. I think that's the first time in like, what, seven years or whatever that I did not put Alabama in the top four. I thought there were signs to question Alabama this year. I trusted LSU more than Alabama. I was wrong. I was an idiot. Sorry. Happens. But Alabama looked dead a few weeks ago. And they looked like they were about to get dragged. I think it was against Tennessee where they were trailing at halftime. And then in the third quarter, I remember I was in the airport eating a pizza. And I'm waiting for my flight. And I got a drink. And then by the time the third quarter ended, they're like, all right, we're going to get ready to board this plane and go back to New York. I'm like, Alabama's now in control. They were on Their season was on life support. We were ready to pull the plug, say goodbye to Alabama. And they haven't lost. And then a little bit of a close game against LSU. I, I laid the money on Alabama. Bama beats LSU. And they, they crushed them in the second half. And that defense is great. We knew that defense was great going into this year. And Jalen Milrow, after getting benched, has really utilized his legs and has not cost him in turnovers. I still think Georgia's going to beat Alabama. But I do believe that's going to be a heck of an SEC championship game in two weeks. So if you ask me right now, Zach, Who do you think are going to be the last four teams remaining? These will be my four. Georgia, Michigan, Oregon, and Washington. I love both those programs. And I love Landing, and I love DeBoer. And Landing, I said this to him on the air, he is a football psycho. He really is. He uh, DJ Ungale's brother uh, plays for Oregon. And he said in a joking tone, but DJ Ungale is the quarterback for Oregon State. And he goes, what's your message to uh, the brother that plays the defense side of the ball? Hit your brother. <laughs> like, he was kidding, but he's like kind of not. I love that from Dan Landing. I would side with Oregon right now, slightly splitting hairs over Washington. And then for that fourth spot, you know, it would not surprise me if Florida State stubs their toe against Louisville. You know, I could see that after losing your quarterback, Jordan Travis, it's tough. And I love Norvell. And, and I love Jared Verse. And they got some dogs on Florida State. But I think Florida State's going to do the committee a favor in the AC championship game. And I would put Texas in right now. I think Texas runs the table and wins the Big 12. So those would be my final four teams where we stand. Yes, Hampton? So you think a one-loss Texas over a one-loss Ohio State? Yes, because Texas beat Alabama and Texas won the uh, would win the Big 12 under that. I don't think there's an argument. And the an only argument. loss was a last-second come-from-behind, almost miracle against Oklahoma. Yeah, so I don't think 
Like last year, there was a way for Ohio State to get in because everyone not only stubbed their toe, like fell down and needed help getting up. Like it was so, anytime you fell in love with someone last year for that fourth spot in college football, they disappointed you and put their season right down the drain. That's not going to happen this year. It's it's not, you're going to need Florida State to lose. You're going to need Texas to also lose. It's just, I, I don't think it's going to happen. I could see maybe an Oregon State, Oregon stunner. Because you just That's never fair. know, right? And if Oregon mm-hmm. has that second loss and then they beat Washington well, then in Oregon's the championship. Out. Right, but then if they beat Washington, then maybe Washington's out too, depending on how <sighs> things play out otherwise. So you're saying or- Washington's one loss is in the championship to Oregon. Oregon. Well, wouldn't it be then like TCU last year where TCU loses to uh, Kansas State in the Big 12 championship and then TCU still got in? It certainly could. It depends on what happens around. So what's the most chaotic? I know you you love chaos. Oh, You're a freak. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what do you think the most chaos would be? The most chaos, I think, to me would be uh, Ohio State wins because I think people think that Michigan is better. Okay. So then maybe Michigan can still sneak in. Alabama beats Georgia because mm-hmm. now you have two one-loss SEC teams. Yeah. FSU stays undefeated. Texas? Texas uh, wins with one loss, and Oregon beats Washington, so they both have one loss. So you got a bunch mm-hmm. of undefeated, a bunch of one-loss teams, and you can just put, honestly, anybody in. So that's a lot to process. What I will say is this, though, just to kind of simplify it. You said, what about Ohio State with one loss, not having a, a conference championship? If we got to a way where there's a one-loss non-conference champion, wouldn't it be Georgia? Like, Georgia loses to Alabama. 100%. And let's say they lose by three. And I'm saying if a path opens up, even with Georgia's schedule not being that great, you're telling me, let's just say it comes down to one-loss Georgia, one-loss Ohio State. Georgia's getting in over Ohio State. I honestly don't think there's a chance that Georgia doesn't get in, no matter what happens. Oh, I, I do. I think there's a... If they lose to Alabama. If they lose, I mean, unless they get blown out by Bama, we'll put it this which way. I doubt will happen, even if they lose to Bama, I think Georgia's in. I'll even give it to you this way, that Alabama beats Georgia by three, like a slim margin. Even if it's a one-point game, they lose like 27-26, Georgia. Michigan, let's just go Michigan beats Ohio State. Michigan's in. Uh, let's say Oregon beats Washington. Oregon is in. Then... You would have the road of of Alabama would get in. I still think Florida State or Texas, one of those teams are going to find a way to win their conference championship, and they would get in over Georgia. Because there's no way the committee, you know it would also be a fun debate? Georgia, this would really be screw Florida State, and I like Florida State. But imagine if the, the committee somehow got down to an argument, undefeated Florida State, ACC champs, one loss Georgia, in the ACC championship game. Uh, um, in the SC championship game, they lose. I think Georgia, especially because of Jordan Travis, I think a one-loss non-SEC champion Georgia gets in over an undefeated ACC champion FSU without Jordan Travis. Wow. Because I think the committee be does look at the eye. I mean, they use the eye test yeah. significantly, and I think that any discernible college football fan, I mean, listen, FSU beat LSU, and LSU's not nearly what we thought they were going to be, especially early in the season. So that's their big win is LSU. And you know what's funny? We say LSU is not what we thought going into the season. LSU may have the Heisman Trophy winner this year. And they just don't play defense. Now, I don't – I got to be careful here because I'm a Heisman Trophy voter. So 
they don't like when you re- you, you're not supposed to reveal your votes publicly. I've not made my votes yet. You're not even allowed to make your votes. I, I'll put it this way. I have a tough time thinking that it comes down to Washington, Oregon, let's say in the Pac-12 championship game, that the winner of that game, Bo Nix or Michael Penix, doesn't win the Heisman Trophy. That's the, the simplest way I could say it. It feels to me that Bo Nix is the leader in the clubhouse. Now, you don't have to agree or disagree because you're a voter. Bo Nix feels like it's his to lose unless he gets just, like, absolutely smash-caked in the Pac-12 championship. I think it's Bo Nix's time. Smash-caked? Yeah. (laughs) Can we go, like, pancake? Pancake block? That's that's an old phrase from me and a buddy of mine back in Arizona. Smash-cake. Yeah. I saw my buddy uh, Dion Dawkins uh, pancake uh, Michael Clemens. That was fun. I enjoyed watching that. All the way down to the tunnel, too. Uh, Clemens, uh, he wanted that smoke, and then once Dion was ignoring him and started to uh, bite back a little bit and bark back, uh, found it funny how one guy was able to hold back Michael Clemens. Big Michael Clemens who walks in uh, every year when the season starts without a shirt on and looks like he could kick the crap out of anybody and looks like he's the Hulk's. Funny how one guy is able to hold back Michael Clemens. He needed eight to hold back Deion Dawkins. Michael Clemens is weird. He spells his name wrong. It's M-I-C-H-A-E-L. He spells it E-A-L. Only human being I've ever seen spell Wait, Michael backwards. S- say this again. I, I need to write this out. He spells his name M-I-C-H-E-A-L. Oh, okay. Being a A-E-L. Michael, yeah. I've known forever, it's M-I-C-H-A-E-L. Yeah. Michael Clemens is weird. He spells his name weird. Yeah, he didn't want that smoke, too, of the snowman. And by the way, Michael Clemens, we're not offering you a scholarship to URD Snow University. As the dean of URD Snow University, we will not be accepting you as a student. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The best rivalries in sports. You know what's crazy? NFL was actually one of the toughest ones to go through. 
And it's the one that we talk about and watch the most, especially on a national network like this. The one that I zeroed in on is actually Steelers-Ravens. And maybe that's like more so my lifetime. And if you ask someone that's like 55, 60, their answer could be different. But the Steelers and Ravens always bare minimum have solid or good teams. And in the last 20 years, for the most part, they've had really good defenses. For the Ravens, right on offense, they had Joe Flacco. Now they have Lamar Jackson. And the Steelers had the constant in Ben Roethlisberger. But that AFC North, man, those games are vicious. Those games as a consumer are fun. Even in a league now that we demand offense, offense, and offense, anytime you watch an AFC North showdown, defense, especially like last weekend between the Browns and the Steelers, defense always pops and uh, reigns supreme. But Samter, like for the NFL, who are the other teams that you considered? I I consider a few other rivalries like, You could go the Cowboys against the Eagles, Cowboys against the Giants, uh, Packers and Bears is another one. But the Bears, they can't beat the Packers. Aaron Rodgers screams, I own you. There's nothing you could do when he was the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers. So um, I know you could go a little bit older back, like into the 80s, and you go Cowboys, 49ers, things like that. But the one that I uh, zeroed in on was Steelers and Ravens. I think Chiefs, Raiders... Yeah, has a, has a big history as well. And I think, I mean, if you want to talk about historic versus, you know, more current, the Cowboys and 49ers, yeah. that's got the 80s and the mm-hmm. 90s. That's coming Playoffs back too. again. Because every time Dak sees the 49ers, he falls flat on his face. He's so his I feel leg. like there's there's that uh, current rivalry. But even Cowboys, Eagles, Cowboys, Giants, Cowboys, everybody in the East could be one of the top rivalries. You're looking at the AFC East. The Patriots no. have dominated for so long. There yeah. really doesn't feel like there's a ro- It used to be like Dolphins-Jets used to be a big rivalry. Sure. Anytime Dan Marino would just fake spike it and just embarrass the Jets. <laughs> but the Patriots dominated so long, there's no rivalry there. And it doesn't feel like there's any out-of-division rivalries, really. All right, Maybe Cowboys-49ers, but that's about it. Let me just... I'm going to put Marco Belletti just walked in. Has no clue what we're talking about because they have Marco doing 9,000 jobs around here. Marco, I'm going to put you on the hot seat here. NFL. What's the best rivalry in the NFL, in your opinion? Ooh. Washington-Dallas, probably. See? You could ask it for the NFL and get a different answer from everybody. Because I think it matters how old you are. And also, the NFL, geography does matter in this, too. Like, you could ask someone in Green Bay, what are the biggest rivalries? They'd be like... Green Bay and the and the Bears, but yeah. then someone like where I live, even even though I, I live in New York, it's like oh, I, I I zeroed in on on Steelers and Ravens. What was the one? That and I that's ended been up going a great to. one for the last twenty years. Yeah. but it's twenty years. And also, like I said, age age that's matters. That's definitely part of yeah. it. I mean, you could go back to the Raiders and Chiefs. That's yeah. definitely been a good one too. There's a lot of them throughout Cowboys, the NFL. Cowboys, Forty Niners, as we talked about. Again, also something that's been in the last, say, 40 years. Cowboys against everybody. <laughs> and that's part of the two because everybody hates Dallas. I mean, you go back far enough, you can go with the Cowboys and the Steelers. Death taxes and everybody hating the Cowboys. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different ones. Uh, it depends on each division, too, because mm-hmm. there's a bunch of them inside of the divisions. But uh, I, I, I kind of went through, like, just the scope of the longevity. The Steelers-Ravens is definitely the best in the last 20 years in my mind, mm-hmm. but it's 20 years. Yeah. I can't give you... And the, Ravens, the best of all time if it's only 20 years. And even though the Ravens are a great franchise now, 
they don't have the history. They're not the the gold standard. Well, they only started in 96. Yeah. That's, that's what I mean. So, like, you can't – I can't take you to have the greatest ever yeah, if you've only exactly. been around for 25, 30 years. Like, it just doesn't work. So, for baseball, I still think it's Yankees-Red Sox. I know some people will say, oh, it's lost, lost juice. It's not as great as it once was. I still think it's the best baseball rivalry. The only one that I think rivals it are the Giants and the Dodgers. Um, but I, Cardinals-Cubs Cubs is pretty close. Yeah, Card- you're right. Cardinals-Cubs – um, you you are right on that. So those three, but I still go Yankees and Red Sox. The NBA, I think everyone can agree. It's still Celtics and Lakers. Mm-hmm. Like just with the history. And then even though it carried over into a new era, uh, when you had the Celtics and the Lakers go up against e- each other in the NBA finals uh, twice recently too. And then we all know Bird and, and Magic, nothing really else needs to be said. And it also goes back further than that. You go back into, you know, the West and the Chamberlain mm-hmm. and the Russell. Yeah, that yeah. thing, it's just been going on forever. Um, NHL, I think this one's tough because if someone in the last 15 years says, what is it? I think a lot of people would say, oh, Penguins and Capitals because of Ovechkin and Crosby. But the Canadians against the Bruins is a legendary rivalry. You know, the last 20, 25 years or 20 years or so, uh, the Avalanche against the Red Wings was big. Um, the Canadians against the Maple Leafs, those were just some that I threw out there. Boy, I, I know you're a hockey guy, and I'm wearing a, a Rangers uh, sweatshirt today. Uh, is there a hockey rivalry in your mind and Boyle's younger like me that you go, okay, that's the that's the one that you love watching? Just locally, I know Rangers Islanders always is yeah. always is hated. Yeah, I don't really hate the Islanders. I don't. Like they're just like a like a little stepbrother. You know, both those teams have never been great at the same time. I actually hate the Devils more than I hate uh, the Rangers. And honestly, as a Ranger fan, I I hate the the two teams I hate the most are the Penguins and the uh, Washington Capitals just because of all the playoff rivalries. College basketball, like I think we could go 3-2-1 and everyone says Duke and, and UNC. But then for college football, the answer is Ohio State-Michigan, but you can't look past Army-Navy. You can't look past Texas-Oklahoma and then also the Iron Bowl, which is this weekend between Alabama-Auburn. But Ohio State-Michigan could actually right now, you know, Duke-UNC would be there. But in sports, Ohio State-Michigan actually could be the best rivalry out of them all. And the only reason I say that is because a lot of times there's rivalries and there was hatred like 20, 30 years ago. Now, with Michigan beating them the last two years, the whole sign-stealing scandal as well, I haven't remembered a game where there's like serious bloodbath, like we got a war coming up with the way that this is built up going into uh, this weekend. Um, outside of really Duke and UNC, who just met in the in the Final Four, and that was it for Coach K uh, losing to UNC. Now the Michigan Ohio State's got a lot of juice recently, and had I mean obviously you got the history. Yeah, had a little bit of a dip for a little while there, but it's back yeah, for like ten when, years. <laughs> but, well, that's what I'm saying. But whenever yeah. there's, I mean, you, you're talking about two programs that are perennial powerhouses, and this game is constantly means something. So as much as, I mean, you can look at some of the other ones, the Notre Dame with the USC and all that. Like there's a bunch of them, but they don't necessarily play every year. Then you have the lulls of who's good and who's not good. These two programs have done a nice job of staying relevant where that game always matters. And the last few years has had a lot of juice because Michigan's actually shown up. And it also stinks in this never ending and changing landscape of college athletics where a lot of these rivalries that we talk about and hype up, there's been a lot of times this year, and it's even going to happen this year with the, with the Pac-12 basically folding, all those teams moving, some going to Big 12, some having nowhere to go, and then others uh, going um, to the uh, to the, the Big 10 and the SEC. It's like when you, when you have all these changes, some of these rivalries are, are going to go away, and it's, a, it's an unfortunate part. Uh, it really is. It is. But again, that's the landscape of college football, and that's the difficulty of trying to keep yeah. the rivalries like when you – 
Yeah, I mean, what are you going to do, though? Like, uh, The yeah. only way is you're going to wind up having just giant conferences where you go, all right, it's almost like in division with the NFL. You're going to have it big enough where mm-hmm. you're going to be in somewhat close enough divisions. You can play every year because it doesn't really matter. The conferences aren't going to really matter anymore. It's coming soon enough, yeah. and we're getting a lot well, closer than the, we thought. This is the first step. They truncated it to basically now power five to four. Eventually, I think it's going to three, and maybe it could consolidate into the haves and the have-nots one day. That's days. all it is. But I think what this is going to turn into, it's the SEC, it's the Big Ten, and then we'll see what happens with everybody else, and, and they kind of uh, form together. I don't think it's going to matter as much anymore, especially when you open up the college football playoff. It doesn't really mm-hmm. – will it give you – like before, you were the Big Ten champion. Like, whoa, all right, yeah. you won the Big Ten. If you're the 10 seed and you wind up winning the college football playoff, who cares if you won the Big Ten or not? So yeah. the more we do this, the more we open it up, it's fine, and it's going to be fun for when the playoff comes – but it'll take away the luster of all these divisions and these conferences. And at some point, we're not going to care. So it's going to be just one big free-for-all. 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. On the board that we have right now, I see a call that has nothing to do with this topic. But I'm intrigued by this call. Lewin Rochester is saying that Josh Allen is mistreated by the media. I have to hear this. Lou, go ahead. <laughs> Hi, Zach. Because it's true. I mean, have you ever listened to Stephen A. Smith? He just loads Josh. But anyhow, Allen's statistics this year are far better than Mahomes. He's got 29 touchdown passes, 15 interceptions. Mahomes has 18 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. But, you know, Mahomes can do no wrong, but Allen, you know, he sucks. But he doesn't. Well, let me just ask you this. Can you name a wide receiver on the Kansas City Chiefs? Yeah, Travis Kelsey. If he didn't have Kelsey. But he's a tight end. Uh, he's a receiver. He's not a true tight end. Okay. You know, but Kincaid, Kincaid but put it this way. Still- like Gabe Davis is the second best wide receiver on the Bills. Gabe Davis, who is a good player, not a great player, would walk into Kansas City and would be their number one wide receiver because Kelsey's technically a tight end. I get what you're saying, though. Listen, I, I understand. I think but that I, the Chiefs are a flawed team, and well, they're showing it. They are flawed. But what does that then make the Buffalo Bills? Well, if they don't self-implode, they're still uh, imposing. Come on. They have a much better quarterback the, than, than But no home. one says Josh but Allen sucks. No, no one says Josh Allen sucks, and that's where you're just so far off base. And I, I don't. I like Stephen A. Smith, and I watch him for time to time. I've never realized that he's had, like, a negative agenda against Josh Allen. Josh Allen's deserving of criticism this year. He's turned the ball over too many times. Now, it's not all him. The offensive coordinator, Ken Dorsey, there's a reason he got fired. But I, I don't want to hear this nonsense that Josh Allen is treated unfairly. For the last two, three years, all we did was talk about this guy being a top three quarterback in the league. This is what happens. Welcome to big boy football. Buffalo Bills, welcome. You, you guys want to claim that you're the Kings and that you guys are this great team, blah, 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 blah. You have to win. I followed Tom Brady. Tom Brady's the best quarterback of all time, my favorite quarterback. He would lose a game in the playoffs after winning four or five Super Bowls. And you would have jackasses like Nick Wright go, oh, he's falling off the cliff. And Kellerman would say it too. And Rob Parker, after Brady lost the Super Bowl the second time the Giants, he'll never get back to a Super Bowl. And that's Brady who had all the championships. So when you don't have a championship, there's going to be some negative things said, especially when you've been close for that many years. (laughs) 
time for your daily news brief. We get you caught up on the rumors, reports, and reconnaissance from the day in sports. All righty, news brief time. Zach Yelp Show, CBS Sports Radio. Let's start with Aaron Rodgers on the Pat McAfee Show. Aaron Rodgers says he is guilt about Zach Wilson's failure this year. This was obviously not the way any of us thought this was going to go down. It was going to be me and my show and and Zach getting to learn and watch it firsthand and not have the pressure to get out there and play. And so obviously, you know, this is uh, disappointing. I, I have some, you know, personal guilt around the whole thing. I mean, I'm pissed that I wasn't able to play and frustrated that, you know, if I was out there and I feel like I'd be playing well, there would be obviously different narratives around our team. And Zach would, again, have the opportunity to learn and grow and see what it looks like um, uh, without the pressure on. And Is he serious? That's just like incoherent rambling from Aaron. You think Aaron Rodgers, Santa, puts his head on the pillow at night and goes, man, I'm tossing and turning that my injury is the reason why Zach Wilson's getting slammed by everybody. Zach Wilson has gotten multiple opportunities to show that he could just be average. All they asked him to be this year is average, and he can't do that? Like, it's just a society we live in now where everyone has to be guilty about something and feel guilty about something, and Rodgers tries to break from the norm of how most of society works. That's why that's alarming to me that Rodgers even says that. As a former Jets fan, I do believe that (laughs) Rodgers actually took Zach Wilson under his wing. And even last year when they played in the preseason and had a joint practice, he seemed to really take to Zach Wilson. So part of me actually does. Like, I think Rodgers is mentally transforming into this mentor role. He still wants to be the guy, but he's getting into that mentor role that maybe he wasn't there with Jordan Love. And he probably does feel a certain level of maybe guilt or at the very least that yeah. he didn't do enough to help Zach Wilson prov- uh, you know, uh, excel. The only one that should feel guilty is Joe Douglas because how you go into this season, not that anyone expects for Aaron Rodgers to get hurt, but that the guy that you, you traded, you, you traded for someone to replace Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson wasn't the guy. He lost the team last year. So now you go into the season with him being QB2 and you kept him for the entirety of the season until now where we have to put Pat Boyle, Tim Boyle in. It's like, what are we doing here? I still think think it's purely egotistical, that response from Rodgers. I think, like you said, the whole Jordan Love thing, they drafted his replacement. He knows he only has two years here with the Jets. So I think he was hoping that after he got done, Zach Wilson might actually be competent. And then Rodgers can take even more credit for that as soon as he retires. Oh, yeah, I'm the reason Zach Wilson's good. There's a 0.000001% chance that Zach Wilson was ever going to be successful again with the New York Jets after the entire locker room. And he's matured this show. Give him credit for that. But after last year, the entire locker room basically just gave up on him and didn't like him. Here is uh, Shaq Leonard. He got released yesterday from the Colts, and he did a turkey drive. Nice job out of him, even though he got released. Uh, good to still get back to the community on his release from Indianapolis. It was the biggest surprise ever, you know, but no, I don't make those decisions. You know, it was shocking. You know, um, I asked for a November meeting. I guess I got a November meeting. So I guess you got to be careful what you ask for. And the odds right now say the Cowboys and the Eagles are the two favorites to pick him up. Both make sense uh, looking for Shaq Leonard, who could still play. The question is just, can you stay healthy? Uh, let's go to Roquan Smith. The whole hip drop tap goal has been a big thing. Mark Andrews looks like he'll be done for the season. There's a slim chance he does return, according to John Harbaugh. But here's his teammate, Roquan Smith, great defensive player, 
on the hip drop tackle. How else you want us to tackle? We just let the guy run past him. So I hope Mark has a speed of recovery. I pray for that. And at the end of the day, we play football. Like I said, we got pass on. We got all this stuff on for a reason. That's a fair take. Like every time there's an injury, now we have to have a rule change. Soon you're not going to be allowed to tackle someone. You got to walk up to the offensive player and say, let's play a game of patty cake or a rock, paper, scissors, shoot to try to tackle him. That's how it's going to turn into. Imagine. <laughs> you get like uh, Cam Hayward, big burly guy. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. <laughs> oh, I, I put a scissor out. Samter had paper. There we go. Winner, winner. Let's go to Nick Sirianni. A little tough to hear, but he calls out Chiefs fans walking off the field uh, the other night on Monday Night Football after the Chiefs lost the Eagles. Hey, I'm here So he's saying, see you to Chiefs fans. And he says, I don't hear bleep out of you yeah. anymore, Chiefs fans. See ya. Mm-hmm. As if and he didn't lose the Super Bowl last year. They did. See, but this is why I'm happy, because I knew this was going to annoy Boyle. I'm going to assume Boyle doesn't like Nick Sirianni, right? No. You know what I said to Samter right before? I said, I want to play this clip. Samter goes, it's not the best audio in the world. I guess I want to play it. I want to play it for one reason only. I know Boyle isn't going to like Sirianni. If I had to compare Boyle, though, to one NFL head coach... It would actually be Nick Sirianni. You and Sirianni, I'm not saying looks, but the way that you guys carry yourself. Like you're loud. You like to scream. You like to rub it in people's faces when you're right and they're wrong. And we never know what either of you are going to say. I think you and Sirianni, two blue-collar guys, hard-hat guys as well, are very similar. All right. I mean, when you paint him in that light, I guess I'll take it. I also do like that he wears... The Italian flag on the yeah. on his visor, like a good paisan, but <laughs> I just ha- like how are you screaming? He eat some lasagna, thanks. You want a regular season game? Why are you screaming down the tunnel like it's you didn't choke away that Super Bowl? Here is uh, Deion Sanders. His thoughts on players decommitting, Coach Brian. A kid ain't even faithful to his girlfriend. You think he gonna be faithful <laughs> to a, a school? Like, come on, man. That's like an emotional thing. You know what? What I wish the NCA would do, honestly, if you're committed. To somewhere you can't go to no other visits. I wish that would be like if you commit it, that means you commit it. You can't go no other visit. So why would you be committed, but you still let kids go to other places? That don't make sense. So that means they just plan. They just plan. And we're not an ATM. That's not gonna happen here. If you come to Colorado to play football for me and the Colorado Buffaloes because you really want to play football and receive a wonderful education and all the business stuff is gonna be handled on the back end if that's the case. But we are not an ATM. You're not coming here to get rich unless you really come here with a plan to go to the NFL and get your degree. Not to come here uh, and be money bag yo. I actually sort of respect Dion for that answer. You will never hear a coach ever again in college football say they're not even loyal to their girlfriends. Why would they be loyal to, to their program? And also, Dion can't have it both ways. Like, if you're going to walk in and say... I'm going to bring my own Louis Vuitton in and my my luggage in, right? Then if a player wants to leave, you can't really crush him for leaving as well. Um, That's the news brief. It is the Zach Gelb Show on CBS Sports Radio. Um, I do want to get to the Jim Ursay topic and his comments on his 2014 DUI arrest. We will do that before the show does end because I think it's an important conversation to have as Jim uh, Ursay continues to look like an idiot and a moron and a dope. And if you're not following this right now, he's actually on Twitter. 
And he is now firing off and tweeting a bunch of things that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. So I will uh, chime in on that. Let's do it on the other side. We'll get to take five as well when we come on back. And I also want to delve into a little bit the Jim Irsay uh, comments to, to Andrea Kramer on Real Sports with uh, Brian Gumble about his 2014 DUI arrest because it's more failure to hold yourself accountable and take responsibility from Jim Irsay. Man, I'm really hungry right now. That's an impressive eating performance by Boyle. Boyle comes in back from the break with a, a full plate of penne alavaca, and I think he cleared the entire plate in about four or five minutes. That's wild. There's a, I think there's one more scoop left. Boyle didn't even offer us any. Man, what an impolite guest. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love. Hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.